On March 11, 2020, as Washington College students, staff, and faculty were enjoying their mid-semester spring break, the news broke. The World Health Organization had declared the coronavirus, now known as COVID-19, a pandemic. After a week extension, the campus had issued that the remainder of the 2020 spring semester will be conducted online. Then, after former President Kurt Landgraf announced on May 11th that the on-campus, in-person learning will resume, in an August 3rd email, the WAC Contingency Planning Group announced that the fall semester classes will also be held completely online. Earlier in October, the CPG released the Spring Semester 2021 Together Again plan via email, which allows for all students to return back to campus and a reorganization of the spring semester schedule itself, including moving the start of the semester to February 1st. Today, I will be talking with Senior and SGA President Elizabeth Lilly and Vice President of Student Affairs and Dean of Students Sarah Fireherm about what that plan looks like, what it seeks to accomplish, and what else to expect coming soon back to campus, and ultimately back into a new reality. I am your host, Olivia Montez, and this is Washington College Weekly. My first guest is senior and SGA president, Elizabeth Lilly. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you. So on October 5th, Washington College arranged and released what was to eventually become a plan for the upcoming 2021 spring semester through a campus email outlining the primary guidelines as to how to get students back on campus and what were going to be regulations for how to go about our lives in this new campus environment. So how did SGA help or other members of the student body help shape or bring to light which should be addressed when tackling when tackling this kind of plan. So there as many people know there is a contingency planning group which is a current committee of the college it involves a lot of senior level administrators, health professionals, financial professionals of the college, staff and faculty members and also I sit as the student representative for that committee. So often some of the information within the committee as decisions are being made is confidential just to make sure that misinformation doesn't get out or anything like that until official announcements are made. But as we are working through a lot of those decisions, I will often pull from my executive board members of the SGA. Sometimes if I'm able to, I'll reach out to class officers and our senators or really anyone who I'm able to pick their brain and hear, okay, what do students need? For instance, back before that decision was made, the SGA sent out a survey to the entire student body asking, how is this semester going online? What kind of things are you thinking about in terms of the spring? What different factors are most important to you? What are some things that you need? Any additional concerns? Really just to get a better pulse of what's happening since we can't see each other in person and just chat like we normally would in terms of getting a pulse of campus. I kind of serve as that funnel of all of that information from many different sources to essentially pull it all together and synthesize it in a way that is appropriate for the contingency planning group. So expressing how there are many diverse perspectives. Some people are itching to get back on campus, but we need to also be aware of students who might not feel safe and might want to keep spending the semester at home because we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And we have to respect both sides of that coin. 
in figuring out a solution. Also factoring in student concerns of academics, financials, social life, mental health. There are a lot of interwoven factors. And so being able to pull from all of those different areas and then bring it to the contingency planning group so that we can be sure that we are respecting the student experience and all of its many facets and forms for everybody on campus or everybody as we are making these decisions and making sure that just because we need to prioritize health and safety, that doesn't overshadow the many different parts of student life. And even, as you said, continuing to still live in very much in a pandemic where health and safety regulations become one of our number one priorities within the country and within the world. Were there any recent policies, any changes that really shaped or influenced how you and the student body really wanted the plan to look like and how it really wanted to tackle this issue? I think that after having experienced part of this past spring online and then further the entire fall semester online, there are very vocal student concerns about what may be lacking from this experience or what sorts of concerns and support that students still need when we're in a very different environment from what we're used to. So that definitely reigns true when it comes to the hands-on experiences and in-class discussion are definitely much more robust when we're in person um, for a lot of students, but then also keeping in mind that in sort of the framework that we're forced to live in, what can we do to make things better? And also what do we need to be aware of? So ensuring that professors are being lenient when it comes to having cameras on even in class. So making sure that people understand that bandwidth can be an issue and we need to be aware of that. So like there are smaller logistical items, but I think overall student concerns that factor in are a lot of that sort of in-person element that a lot of us are lacking in terms of overarching policies or things that we don't really have control over that we need to be focusing on. A lot of the work of the contingency planning group is done in very close tandem with the Department of Health of Kent County. And so just making sure that all of our models are based off of their restrictions. So, for instance, the capacity of the school is dependent on whether or not we are allowed to have more than one student in a dorm room. So usually we're used to doubles or triples, but we have to make sure that we limit that to just one student and then figuring out different regulations on whether or not students can share bathroom fixtures just for purposes of health and safety. Those are different policies and frameworks that are shaping our thinking and also just help us to reassure students and families and community members that we are paying a lot of attention to these health and safety guidelines when we make these decisions. And so they can feel very secure that this isn't some arbitrary number that we've come up with or an arbitrary restriction. We are working very closely with state of Maryland directives, federal directives, and especially county directives when we are working through these ideas. Does the SGA have plans between now and the spring semester for help addressing these kinds of concerns, these kind of updates for students? Absolutely. This is an ongoing thing we're working with. And we fully recognize that as much as we want to be sure about things or to have a control over this in some way, that things are ever changing, which means that we're going to have to be continuously asking questions and checking in with students. So as school plans change, as individual plans change, as the national trajectory of the virus changes, we're going to have to be very flexible and continuously reaching out to students to see if their personal perspectives are changing. So if you and there are a few different elements that we're doing this. So 
I've been working with faculty members periodically to figure out ways that make sense for them to integrate different amounts of leniency and flexibility into their classes without, of course, burdening professors in ways that really would not be fair to them because they're going through this pandemic with us. And so I've been working with them along with other members of the SGA and kind of pooling student ideas and concerns there to figure out the best way that if we don't have like this semester, we didn't have fall break. How can we work within that to incorporate mini breaks that are helpful for students and create consistency? Also, like when students are thinking about whether or not like right now we have to make the decision, am I going to move back onto campus for those of us who are living at home right now? And so trying to hear both sides of the story of people who are really excited to move back on campus, but then also hearing the voice of those concerns like what's going to be done in terms of conduct regulations to ensure that people are staying safe. And so working with the honor board, which is a subset of the SGA, to ensure that those things are staying in place and also just making sure that we can plan personally for all different contingencies and all different student experiences. So even though a lot of students are planning to come back onto campus with this most recent model, we want to make sure that the students who do choose to stay at home can have just as valuable of a student experience and that for students who are in Chestertown off campus versus students on campus, that that is an equitable experience as much as possible. So we've been looking to different risk levels, safety levels, different ways that we can work within frameworks of social distancing and reduced capacity of different things to still offer as many different experiences as possible that will both work within different alert levels. So if nationally or within the county or the state alert levels rise, we can be flexible with that and still provide a very valuable and fulfilling student experience. But then also if students are less comfortable with certain options, we can have multiple different options for them so that they can always be involved and nobody is ever excluded. So we're planning for a lot of contingencies in a lot of different areas and we'll continue to do so as more information comes to light. I did also want to draw attention to the open forum earlier this month with interim president Dr. Powell, Provost Harvey, and Sarah Fireherm, and with you leading the charge as well. And one of the main points many people had noticed during that interaction was how one of the primary factors in determining who should return to campus included how much campus experience one group of students had over another and how many resources were available to accommodate that many students at a time. As a fellow student, what key ideas should returning students be both aware of and should prepare for ahead of time if they do choose to come back to campus in the spring? I think the perhaps most obvious but also most important is to just remember that things change very quickly and a lot of those things are outside of our control. So don't expect things to be back to normal. Don't expect things to be easy or to expect to get everything that you had wished and hoped for. Like I'm coming from this position as a senior and outside of my role as a student leader, I'm just a student as well. And so I'm, of course, going to be missing a lot of my senior year that I looked forward to. But just understanding that like that is our situation and it's a really hard thing to process and it's very difficult to live through. But we just need to be knowledgeable that things can change. Things won't be normal. And we need to be working within the frameworks in order to get the most out of it, as opposed to complaining about things that are outside of our control. If the CDC says something and we have to reduce capacity or we are more limited, we can't really do anything about that. And we just have to do as much as we can to make it as valuable an experience as we can. 
Similarly, focus on the things that we can control. So we can control social distancing, wearing masks. We can make sure that we are staying socially responsible to our peers, to our professors and faculty and staff, to the community members. There's a lot that we can do to help this situation. So even though there are there is a lot outside of our control and things might change very quickly without much notice, we can do a lot to ensure that things stay very safe. And so I would just encourage all students to be very strict with themselves and also like with their friends and peers to remind people that, yes, we might feel comfortable around each other. We might be best friends. But if we're not living together, that means that we should be wearing a mask every time that we see each other and that these are things small things that will make a really big difference. So in preparing to be back on campus, make sure that you're remembering all of those health and safety elements so that we can get as much out of the campus experience as possible. There was also mention of how spring semester classes will also start off online on February 1st after four weeks of self-quarantine and how if a vaccine was made and approved for use by the FDA within the U.S., There is a chance of the campus shifting towards a hybridity model of both online and in-person learning and activities. Could this model still potentially be adopted under this hypothetical situation or will further planning need to happen beforehand to make this the official next step? I think that hypothetically anything's possible and I'm really hopeful to expand things. I think what's important with that potential option is that it offers a lot of flexibility. So again, like if faculty members are personally immunocompromised or family members are immunocompromised and they do not wish to return to in-person instruction, they can still have that option of staying online. It allows us that flexibility. But for those who are comfortable, we can have varying levels of in-person interaction and communication, whether it's for the class level or for extracurriculars. And so I think that, of course, there's going to be lots of planning involved in that just to make sure that we don't take the first half of a semester as, oh, my goodness, everything went so well. We can just go back to normal because that's not really how things go. We have to be very careful as we take those steps forward. So I think planning will be more planning will be necessary just to ensure that we stay safe if we are able to make ourselves safe in the first half of the semester. But I do still see it as a viable option so long as we are able to keep those infection numbers down and that we are able to wear our masks, social distance, be very careful and be very mindful of each other. There has also been concern about how across the country there have been continuous surges in COVID-19 cases, especially on college campuses as well as those who have not been abiding by any safety precautions, such as a failure to social distance, quarantine, or even wearing a mask. So how can we as Washington College students, besides following these mandated rules, continue to make sure that we do not endanger the health and lives of others as well as ourselves? So I think in terms of broader planning, a lot of what the contingency planning group has been doing has been looking towards the institutions who are doing it right, the ones who are very successful. And one thing that we've noticed a lot with those in bringing people back and safely with those institutions, we've noticed that the most successful ones are doing routine testing. And so that's why testing is a very big part of our model. And so making sure that in addition to those normal like social distancing and masking that you are um, abiding by the testing policies of Washington College when you come back. So and making sure that you're honest when it comes to contact tracing. So if something does happen and there is some sort of an outbreak or somebody tests, tests positive, that we can then contain that and it doesn't have to turn into an outbreak. 
So I think in addition to those things, of course, we can't necessarily control the behavior of everybody around us, but just making sure that you yourself are sticking with those regulations and also with testing and contact tracing and just being aware of always like how many people you're coming into contact with, that is going to be a big part of this equation as well. Like having a general awareness of what other people are doing around you as well as yourself is going to help us have that sort of community accountability. Now, with all of this in mind and with all that continues to go on that we see in the news, just with everyday activities, everyday routines that we see in our all of our lives, do you feel optimistic about the spring semester between now and then? Personally, I am very nervous. I understand that we are entering flu season right now, and there's still so much that's unknown about the coronavirus and how it's going to impact people, especially during flu season and during the winter months. And so I do have to say that I am trying to set my expectations very realistically. As a senior with my last semester, I do hold out hope that we are able to be on campus, but I also don't want to negate any of the concerns that people have brought up of safety, nor do I want to negate the unknowingness of all of this. And so I'm hopeful in what I know that Washington College has in place to do testing, to have all of these different guidelines and regulations and safety precautions and everything, I feel a lot better. I feel like we are a lot more prepared than we would have been had we all gone back in the fall. But with flu season, I will always be wary. Well, Elizabeth, thank you. We very much appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for your time. My next guest is Vice President of Student Affairs and Dean of Students, Sarah Fireherm. Sarah, it's a pleasure to have you here. All right, Sarah, thank you for being here today. Sure, it's my pleasure. So on October 5th, when the initial plan from the CPG arrived, how did this plan come to be? How did it become that plan that was released earlier this month? Yeah, so well, there were a couple factors that played into it. One, I will talk about sort of the timing of it was that we were really interested in trying to get information out as quickly as possible to our students about next semester, and not just our students, to faculty as well. So that certainly drove part of the interest in the timing of the decision. About the exact decision itself, it was driven by a couple of factors, certainly one of which was we were looking for a model that would allow in the best way possible, our students to come together in some way. And I say that both sort of physically, but also from an academic standpoint. And so so that was part of it. Also responding to our faculty who continued to describe to us, and, and it made a lot of sense, when you're shifting between sort of platforms going from either all virtual or all in person, and you've got this hybrid model, shifting around those also takes a lot of energy and leaves a lot of room for error. And our faculty, while recognizing that online is not the perfect medium for Washington College education, is that they've made some real progress over the fall. And so to be able to assure them as they were they were deciding which classes they were gonna offer in the spring, that it would facilitate that process if we could give them some certainty around the platform of that, at least for the beginning of the semester. So that's where we landed on, okay, let's continue. We're getting better at it. Let's do online for the first half. 
And the other probably factor that played into that was that we also knew that the first half of the semester is still in the flu season. We knew that we were going to start to see the kinds of things that we are seeing, cases um, driving up. And so if we could simplify the on-campus experience, knowing that we did want to do a residency model, if we could take out the piece of, okay, how are we getting students in and out of classes so they don't run into each other? You only can have certain number in, in certain classrooms. If we took that piece out, that would certainly lower the risk and make our ability to have students come back to campus be that much more of a reality because that sort of being here was so important. So that's kind of how we landed on, okay, let, let's start the semester online and then see where we can go. You know, the piece about the residency model, when we first were designing it, we had designed it based on everybody in a single and almost nobody sharing any bathroom fixtures. And that's why that number was lower to begin with. And we had made a decision after hearing a lot of input that we did want to prioritize first year students. So as we started with that model during that time, and we were getting some feedback that, you know, a lot of people who wanted to be on campus were not happy with that. But around that same time, we took another look and said, okay, let's look deeper at this residency model, compare it to what other institutions are doing, and what do we know about what could be the safest residency model? And as we talked to more people, talked to the health department, talked to other schools, it became apparent that that difference between that 400 and some, and then up to closer to 700, which is, you know, we can let everybody come back, that we could still keep everybody in singles. We would have more sharing of fixed but that was not, we felt like based on what we've seen, that that wasn't going to make any serious compromises in our ability to keep the campus safe. So it made no sense to stick with that lower number if we could go to a higher number. So that's, and that all, I know it kind of happened sort of quickly. We pivoted pretty quickly and I give a lot of people a lot of credit for figuring out those models and then getting to the point where we landed on one that says, okay, we're pretty confident we, we can take everybody who wants to be back on campus. But the line in the sand was that everybody has to be in a single. You know, we feel good about that. So as of this week, the death toll within the United States concerning the COVID-19 pandemic has reached past 8 million cases and over 220,000 deaths. And it's predicted to continue growing from here in the next coming months, especially, as you said, with flu season upon us. How will Washington College continue to adapt to these approaching changes from now to next year? Yeah, and those numbers are, you know, as you point out, like those are just incredibly concerning. And certainly the trends that we're already seeing as of today starting to go in a direction that are a little bit frightening. So as we talked about how do we make sure the campus and the students who come back, people who work there and Chestertown can be safe, we started looking at a couple things that, again, what we've learned from what works, even when things are going crazy. And so, you know, one of the first things was the flu shot. Like we're saying, we need to get all of our students who come back to have that flu shot just as a baseline, because then you're not trying to differentiate between the two. You've got, you know, you have a certain level of protection, at least against the flu shot coming in. 
And then the other pieces were the testing model, which we just hadn't for fall semester. We didn't have in place yet because the testing wasn't available and we kept getting a different answer every day. Now we know we have some options around testing that we're confident in this model. And I think that's the, the key thing. So we're asking everybody to quarantine at home before they come back to campus. And then we test on arrival. And then students have to quarantine again before they get tested another 12 days later. So those are the things we've seen and nothing can totally keep COVID out. But when we looked at all those models, those were the important factors on how you can minimize it. Because I, personally, I think those first two weeks are going to be the critical weeks. And we've seen that at other schools where some of them had some more cases in the first couple of weeks. They managed to contain because they immediately did testing and they employed contact tracing across the board. They quarantine and isolate people. And then you see those schools have success. And so those were really important for us. And we've also talked about these issues about having students not travel, the students who are living off campus, not having social events. Because again, I go back to the numbers that you have talked about. It's not completely clear the role that colleges that did bring students back have played in that, but I would imagine there is some role in that. And the the degree to which you can get your students to buy into everything from the mask wearing to the not having these social events, to following those protocols, to doing the testing, to answering the phone when the contact tracer calls you, the more you can do that, you can just have so much more success in protecting not only the students, but everybody around them. And that continues to be our concerns. We talk about like, who's the most vulnerable? And we still know it's the same thing. It's the demographics of who's most vulnerable. It's not just people who are older, but people of color are still getting hammered by this. So that's why all the pieces have to come together and they're especially going to have to given the timing of when we're coming back because it's going to be flu season. People are still going to be indoors. We don't know exactly what the numbers are going to look like at that point, but my guess is that they're not going to be down to zero. And so we're going to have to be really vigilant about that. So with all of these restrictions, with all of this planning ahead, What immediate changes can students really expect if they choose to return to campus? What should they know before coming back? I think they know that they're going to be in a single, so that's the first thing. They're going to have to wear a mask every time, you know, they're not in their room by themselves, with the exception, obviously, of when they're eating, brushing their teeth, showering, and things like that. So that's going to have to happen They are going to have to be patient about how we can open up opportunities for students to interact with each other because those first couple weeks, like we say, in those first two weeks, we haven't established all the details, but essentially they're going to be in a quarantine. Now, you know, we're working out the details, I think, for students who test negative when they arrive. I don't think the quarantine doesn't mean that they can never step out of their room. We've got, at this point, we're pretty confident that they can go pick up their meals. Somebody needs to go out by themselves and go for a run and exercise, but it's, they're going to have to think about everything they do and that what would be normal, like let's go hang out in the lounge and watch TV together, or I'm going to have six people over in my room. Those are the kinds of things that probably just aren't going to happen. 
as we start to get a handle on maybe certain residence halls where we've had consistent, you know, negative test results, people who are in a hall together, we can figure out ways that they can get together in a larger setting, still following all the protocols. We can start to open those things up. So that will be different. And my guess, it's going to be a little weird being in your residence hall and not actually going to class. But, and we're continuing to look at, I know the the time of year is not perfect for doing outdoor activities, but you never know. We're looking at what are other ways that we can create outdoor opportunities for people to get together, whether it includes more tents, ability to heat some of those. We're looking at all those things, but it'll be different. There's no doubt. But patience is definitely the key. Yeah. And I hate to even ask people that because people people have been so patient since March and to ask them to do that again seems a little bit outrageous, but we're going to be continually evaluating the campus alert level and the safety level. And every time it's safe to do things, then we will do those things. So aside from being patient, How else would you suggest students to prepare for their return? Is there anything specific that they should watch out for, materials, supplies they should gather, and preparation for if they decide to come back? Well, you know, and for those of you who haven't, we've gotten, we'll have masks, Washington College masks for everybody. Bring extras of those because you know what? Like they usually tell you to wash them every day, but it's good to have extras there. We're stocking up on cleaning supplies, but certainly everybody's got their own personal sense of what they need. So you have access to hand sanitizer. Certainly bring that with you. You've got favorite foods that you're like in the middle of February, whether I really want to go out and get that, you know, bring those things with you. What makes you comfortable in your room? You know, those are things to think about as well. And bring warm clothes. And I think everybody, if you have one, to bring like those picnic folding chairs, because frankly, if, when you think about it, if like five of you from a you know residence hall are like, we want to have a conversation, go outside, at least six feet apart. You all have your own chair, you have your mask. That can happen really quickly because some of the existing setups at, on our campus, like the tables and the chairs, aren't conducive to people, to more than maybe two people being six feet apart. So I think that would be a great thing to bring campus. And with all of this, as you said, continuous planning that goes in, even when we do return to campus, there will be a consistent evaluations made regarding how many cases are not only within the country, but within the state, and if the possibility should arise on Washington College campus, that we need to be continuously prepared for that. Do you feel the campus community, and more specifically students, continue to have the patience to abide by these requirements set up? I mean, human nature would say that people are going to slip. Like, I think we all have. So there's that piece. I think it's going to be hard. I I, I get it because I think we've all been there. Probably the other thing we should all pack is, you know, I always say a little bit of grace, which is, you know, you see somebody who's not abiding by the policies, certainly to, um, when you can, let them know that nicely. And we're working on, you know, what the COVID conduct is going to be like. I think the student buy-in, and we've got students from the honor board and other students who are going to be working on this, how we sort of treat each other and hold each other accountable will help in that. 
it helps because everybody's going to slip, right? And it, it happens to everybody. And then I think we have to be, you know, I use the word patient again and not completely flip out on someone who's just sort of slipped up as opposed to someone who's like purposely saying, hey, I'm having a party at my house and 50 people and everybody come on over and don't bother bringing your masks. Those are two very different things and they need two totally different responses. With all of this in mind, with human nature, with the possibility of all of these outcomes in your mind, do you feel hopeful that this plan will at least provide the groundwork for people to resume some kind of normalcy when they go back? I do. And in part because I've seen some other campuses that at least so far have had success in this. I think Washington College can do it because I tell you, and there's one thing that I said this before, I think Washington College students care about each other in ways that I don't see on every campus. So I do think that we can do this and I think it's gonna give us this level of accomplishment and saying, okay, this was hard. We managed it, we got through it, knowing that you know, even the next couple of years, nothing's gonna be completely the same, but I think we're eminently capable as a student body of doing this and getting it right and feeling good about it. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. In a campus-wide email released on October 16th, the CPG released a statement that, with a significant increase in housing capacity, all students are now presented with the option to return to campus for the spring semester. With the exception of those who are already living off campus in Chestertown or have previously filled out and submitted their housing application, all returning students will be required to live in single dorm rooms. Students are also required to get a flu shot and proof of appointment to self-quarantine for two weeks before moving back onto campus and restrict travel off campus grounds. Other mandatory expectations will be consistent COVID-19 surveillance testing, the use of face masks and coverings, and download the Emocha app to monitor one's symptoms. Any other questions regarding any updates should be answered by the Register's office. This has been Washington College Weekly. I'm Olivia Montez, and I will see you next week.